Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gayatri. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. Talking to our guest this week was an experience of several facets coming through with a lot of passion and energy. And Ranjini Mani pretty much opens this conversation with a powerful statement indicating she wants to create a world that we would like our children to live in. From how she chose to be an engineer to why she then did an MBA, to having multiple interests and high curiosity, to what it means to have a human-centric approach to AI and a future with a symbiotic relationship between AI and the human race. Ranjini quotes several books in this conversation that reveal her deep interest in reading, amongst many other things. Listen on. Good morning, Ranjini. A very warm welcome to you to the Software People Stories podcast. It's very nice to have you here on our show today, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you, Chitra, first of all, for having me here on your podcast. I'm super glad to be here today and I'm looking forward to our chat as well. We usually ask our guests to introduce themselves to mm-hmm. our listeners. So how would you like to do that? So let me maybe start with the, what I believe in as a person, right, in terms of what I want to get to. So I'm very passionate about creating the world we want our children to live in, right? That's that's been kind of my North Star. And um, in terms of my career, I've been working in the space of uh, product management, uh, consulting and analytics for around, uh, let's see, 14 years now. And my interests, they kind of lie in solving business problems with analytics, um, strategy and leadership, right? So currently I lead this uh, global data sciences team at VMware and we work on solving um, uh, concept to completion analytics problems around uh, providing exceptional customer experience. So um, currently there's uh, a lot of focus on SaaS transformation and we work on how we can drive this through uh, customer success and AI driven uh, customer experience, right? So apart from that, I also work on uh, engaging with startups, uh, especially in the India ecosystem, mentoring them. And yes, I'm a huge DNI evangelist. I uh, uh, definitely am thankful that I've worked in areas and have had opportunities to explore this further, right? Something like creating like a women in analytics initiative at work. So those are things which I do as part of my day job. But apart from that, uh, I've been like a typical nerd, Chitra. So I think still I am. I was keen on doing medicine, right? But I ended up doing engineering, thanks to my parents who kind of thought that that was a better option for me at that point in time. So I did my electronics engineering, and then I worked in a technical role uh, at Oracle for a couple of years. And then I went on to do a full-time postgraduate management degree. Uh, this was at Maika Ahmedabad. So I, I, I kind of remember this was like the first time I went out of my hometown, which is in Bangalore, to the city, which was 1,000, 1,500 kilometers away, right? So it was this 24-hour train ride I took with my dad, which I very vividly recollect. But I think that was a period when I kind of discovered a bit more about myself. Uh, because I was trying to fend for myself. Suppose that I had a bunch of stints with uh, Tata Docomo, Tech Mahindra. I also uh, worked with Dell Global Analytics before moving to VMware. 
that's i think mostly what i do at work i'm very passionate about like a lot of things but i've realized that it primarily falls on the three areas right i love reading and writing about ai and tech i i probably uh would just read books for a living if i could so i'm very fond of books and i also work towards being better right so those are the three key areas i believe in also in terms of technology in itself right um big believer that tech in itself is not inherently good or bad and more importantly it reflects like the intentions of the user and as a background my parents uh, both have been working professionals and i've uh, kind of always seen them treat each other equal right at all times therefore that was my definition and expectation of normal when i grew up and i see that that's probably not the case for many women uh, that infuriates me right so you know how how can we help enable women with a choice is something which uh, i'm keen on figuring out how i can do my part towards it right so i think that that's like a long winded uh, introduction but yeah that's a bit about me. fascinating ranjini i hope we can have many many more conversations to come there's <laughs> like a hundred questions popping in my head right now and it's it's always lovely to have someone that has is clearly so passionate about so many things and uh, in fact i'd like to start with the last thing that you said and having come from a sure. similar background where my parents mm. have been working professionals as well and uh, certainly what you said mm. struck me how did you see that upbringing influence you in whether it was you know yeah. your stint at mica or uh, what you have done at the workplace a uh, good question right in the sense that we are largely shaped by our upbringing uh, and that's what we believe in right and i've noticed that uh, manifests itself more when i've grown up than when i was much younger right it's exactly like what you said chitra i i have a younger brother as well like four year younger to me and i've never seen my parents differentiate right and that's like i was saying that was my definition of normal when i grew up and i got married that's what i expect of my husband as well right and he is like that so i don't feel lucky that way. many women say that right i'm very lucky that i have a husband who do, does this so i think it's not so much luck it's just acknowledgement that each other are equal right that also defines how you treat yourself so i i always remember this thing my mom used to tell me right no one can make you feel inferior without your permission that is something i very strongly believe in right uh, when i speak to other women I feel that what's holding them back is not ability or talent it's more this permission that they tend to seek uh, externally right in terms of things that they want to be doing that's probably the biggest thing that i owe to my parents right uh, my dad was this person who is like my uh, not star everything i did i did for i i still do right i still do it to make him proud and i think um, that shows right now also in terms of putting my hand up for things and uh, you know saying yes to opportunities which i know will take me further and not feeling bad about focusing on myself right i think if you're not happy you cannot be a good mother as well so i do not let that mom guilt i do have right i still do but i don't let that stop me or define me and limit me as well right so i think all of that is thanks to my parents and the opportunities i've been given i know that i sound i i talk from a position of privilege and that's where i think that you know the little things which i could do to help others i'm happy to figure out how i can do that very powerful statements ranjini thank you and uh, <laughs> this sets the stage for a lot more questions uh, mm-hmm. in this conversation for mm-hmm. sure uh, which perhaps we can talk mm-hmm. about later uh, so you said that sure. you know you've worked in the space of product management consulting and then data analysis mm-hmm. and you've looked at mm-hmm. analytic strategy and leadership So in your experience from mm. let's say concept to completion 
you know, what have been some mm-hmm. key takeaways in terms of learnings for you? How did that influence customer success or, you know, your position on customer experience? I would probably take a step back. It's, um, I think it's not just in terms of uh, customer experience. It's in general in terms of solving any problem. Yes, and it does impact customer experience, right? One thing I believe would help everyone, irrespective of the profession, is the way we look at things, especially in analytics, right? Where I come from is whether we are taking this user-centric approach to designing solutions. Now, what does that even mean? It means that um, it doesn't matter if your model is the most accurate, but if the results aren't helpful to the business in driving value, or even if they can't interpret it, if they do not trust it enough, if they don't understand it enough. There are like multiple examples I can provide where it doesn't matter if you're working on like latest cutting edge algorithms, but if you're not asking the right questions or understanding the data with the right business context. At the end of the day, right, humans, I think, are like storytelling animals. So as data scientists, uh, are we able to translate the output into an outcome? And those are two different things, right? So it's about thinking about uh, the problem more holistically. Do we have the right data? Uh, is it consumable? Is it usable? Are you expe- setting the right expectations on what it can provide, right? And how it can be consumed? That is probably the message I would probably tell for aspiring data scientists too, right? That if all you can do is to code in Python as well as another person, then you can be easily replaced. Are you actually working towards being a cog in the machine or more of a linchpin, right? So I think that holistic view is what drives customer experience, drives uh, exceptional um, value as a person to what you're doing versus um, just you know doing A, B, and C because you've been told to do A, B, and C. That certainly makes a lot of sense, Ranjini. So when you, you know, decided to go and do your MBA, what was the primary motivation for doing that? Multiple, right? On the light side, yes, I probably wanted to do this because my parents uh, wanted to get me married off and I didn't want to do that, right? So that was probably one of the reasons. But right now, I know there are a lot of folks who question the value of getting an MBA, right? But then I think it's one of, one of those places where I learned more of about things outside of the classrooms than within. I personally think doing like a full-time MBA was one of my better decisions. Like I was alluding to earlier, I think I discovered a bit about myself for the first time out there because I was trying to fend for myself, um, you know, figure out things for the first time, you know, outside of home when my dad was not around to help. And I had some brilliant professors and I've been a science student throughout, right? And so I ended up learning subjects which I would have never otherwise been exposed to. Things like semiotics and brand management and uh, we had film studies and culture and communication. So I think it gives you this uh, rounded holistic view to things. It's definitely made me less judgmental of perspectives who are which are different from my own and uh, also having like maybe conflicting opinions in my head and being okay with the ambiguity, right? Being comfortable with the ambiguity. Professionally, um, I think it's helped amplify my strengths in looking at data problems from a business user's perspective. I don't know whether you've heard this, Chitra, but there's a lot of studies which predict that, like I think there was a Gartner research which showed that I think around 80% of analytics insights will not deliver business outcomes uh, until like 2022. Now, why, why do you think, why do we think that such a huge number of AI projects fail? 
I think one of the key reasons is that um, the AI strategy doesn't align with the business strategy, right? And these are usually in parallel. And I, I kind of see myself fitting in that interface quite well because I can translate the business into the technical problem and then in being the storyteller and conveying value back to the business. In that sense, it has definitely helped me. I would also like to believe that probably just helped me be a better leader as well. For now, I uh, hire data scientists who are much smarter than I in that space, and therefore it makes for a well-rounded team. In fact, what you just described in terms of so many characteristics, mm-hmm. you know, the ability to feel comfortable mm. with ang- ambiguity, you know, something that mm. you perhaps discovered when you were away, you know, removing bias and looking at things yeah. objectively seems like, all the dimensions of what a product manager should be. So what was that experience like as a product manager for you, Ranjani? This is a quick background, right? So I started with tech. I started in Oracle coding, um, customizing Oracle applications actually, right? So while I was doing that and I, it was a great learning, right? Like first time I was out of home, you know, working with a bunch of people, uh, learning about the new work environment. I think all of that was great, but I realized that I was more interested in the why why are we doing this than how are we doing it, right? For example, I kept questioning, why do we need this feature? How will the user benefit from this of sorts, right? And then I realized that maybe what will help is to move into that space where I probably will do better, right? And that's why I decided to go to B-School. So my first job, yes, was a product manager. It was a lot of number crunching. It was around ensuring that we can increase uh, usage and retention for a telecom firm. Uh, Yes, I still ended up doing a lot of product manager related functions, right, in terms of looking at looking at it beyond just the numbers. But then I realized that I wanted to be more in a tech, high tech company versus like in a telecom domain, uh, which is why I kind of moved into that, uh, pivoted into tech and then uh, started doing more of product management, um, moved more from product management into number crunching, uh, into analytics per se. But uh, I still think I retain that. Uh, end user lens when I look at things, right? So that was my stint, but I still, I, I think I still carry that product mindset uh, into my job with an analytics as well. Yeah, I think that's a, that's an excellent rounding of skills, an excellent array of skills to have and build. I'm beginning to think that, you know, you're a person of so many different interests and passion and uh, <laughs> Uh, basically curious about so much that it kind of lends itself to almost any kind of role in an organization in some sense, isn't it? (laughs) I I wouldn't say any kind of role. I'm sure I have my limitations. So I think one of the key things is to know where you can play well and where you probably need to get help, right? So, And I'm very, very open to um, saying I don't know. and that's that's one thing I focused on when I'm hiring Chitra. I, I hire people always smarter than me, right? And what we have kind of done as a result is the overall average, the EQ and IQ of the team is definitely growing over time because we are always learning from each other, right? So definitely, I wouldn't say that I know everything, but I definitely know who I should ask if I in areas which I know I'm not an expert at, right? But interestingly, to your point, it reminds me of this book I read, right? It's called Medici Effect, in case anyone's interested to check it out. So it talks about exactly that, that going forward, innovation and uh, disruption lies at the intersection of different fields, right? So it, it is like the amalgamation of science and arts and uh, and you probably don't see as many courses around that in India, but definitely if you see other um, maybe Ivy school colleges in um, US, you find 
electives which you can opt for, which provides you with that amalgamation. And I think that's very important, right, to look at it from that multiple perspectives and be curious, like you rightly pointed out. Oh, that's certainly reflecting in a lot of what you're saying, Ranjani. So I suppose that the book has had a very profound effect on you. Yeah, it is a brilliant book. I would definitely recommend it. So switching tracks a bit here, mm-hmm. I think we talked about or mentioned human-centered AI. What is human-centered AI? And you know what is it about that, that that you've been investigating or been curious about? And what have you learned about it? And I think we did touch upon this a bit earlier when we spoke about like the user-centric approach to designing solutions, right? So I, I remember doing these bunch of design thinking courses from IDEO, which is this design thinking school famous for taking the user-centric approach, right? And then I realized that this is, this is relevant for us as well. Even when you're looking at numbers, there was this uh, example I remember, maybe um, I can talk to you about that, right? So we use a lot of NLP, we use a lot of natural language processing, right? Which is basically making sense out of the text data. So I was reading about this example where a company invested in huge amounts of funds for uh, helping build like a recommendation engine out of the text data. So basically when a customer comes in and they have an issue, you would have technical support executives uh, catered to them. So would you be able to recommend what that uh, solution should be to a particular problem, right? So that, that was basically what the recommendation engine was supposed to do. And then they realized that after say three months of uh, rolling out the solution that no one was using it. Like the technical support executives were not using it. And then they realized it was because um, they didn't find it useful. And finally, it was because of the data, the model in itself being trained on uh, internal documents rather than actual customer um, descriptions, right? Without getting too technical, the bottom line of this is uh, it was not a technical problem if you think about it, right? It was more a problem of not understanding what is it that would make sense to the business? What is it that we should be looking at from the end user's perspective? So that's that's essentially what I mean by a human-centered approach, right? Are we thinking about it from the perspective of, okay, what makes sense to the user? Why are we using this? Does this attribute actually make sense? So I definitely think more than focusing on, okay, should I be using algorithm A or B? Looking at, okay, what is it that I can do to solve the problem? That, that I think, makes a lot of sense. And that's what I am calling as human-centric approach, right? But definitely in the industry parlance, uh, there's also human-centered AI that focus on, focuses on learning from human input and collaboration. It's about how you can focus on algorithms which exist among like human-based systems and how can that be improved continuously because, because of human input, right? So that's, that's the industry parlance of it. From my perspective, I strongly believe that uh, we can be complementary to each other, right? Human and AI can be complementary to each other. In the um, short term, taking a more user-centric approach and in the long term, hopefully we grow to be like symbiotically, symbiotic creatures that way, right? Between human and AI. Certainly hope so. I hope this makes sense. It, that was, it, yeah. it does. It does. Yeah. So certainly it does. Mm-hmm. You know, even if I look at it mm-hmm. over a period of time, you know, when mm-hmm. you started off with IVR systems mm-hmm. and by the time mm-hmm. it came to the point where you were talking to an operator mm-hmm. and the first message you hear is that this call will be mm-hmm. recorded for learning and teaching purposes. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, mm-hmm. if, you, if mm-hmm. you look back, you know, systems have mm-hmm. always been trying to collect and analyze data. One thing I'm wondering is now with with chatbots becoming so omniscient in our Mm -hmm. day-to-day interactions, because we're doing a lot of trading digitally. And sometimes it, Mm -hmm. you know, I still find myself clenching my fists 
when a bot keeps asking me the same mm. question or Alexa says, I'm sorry, I don't have an answer to that. I'm just hoping uh, an actual human picks up the phone on the other end mm-hmm. and can you just solve my problem? So uh, I'm certainly yeah. <laughs> there <laughs> right. with you, hoping that the relationship yeah. is symbiotic and I completely agree with you mm. on that. And, and it is a personal area of passion as well, right? Honestly, I think tech is like this greatest leveler which we have had. Think about it, right? Like for someone like me and you probably raised in a developing nation, to have all of these opportunities which we have at our fingertips, it's just so unbelievable from just a few decades ago. I was talking to my uh, six-year-old daughter, Chitra, about like me uh, going to this library and pulling out things to just understand because there's no wiki, uh, wiki at that point in time. There's no internet. She's like, oh, you could have just asked Google Home. So that's the amount of disconnect which is there between like just one generation right no in fact these days i just turn to my kids and say hey what's the best thing we can pick up in a particular category and in less than two minutes Mm. i have answers that range from not only price right quality time of delivery Mm. warranty all the Mm. parameters that are important for me to consider while making a buying decision so how cool is that yeah absolutely There's this other book around future of work, right? Around how a future, we may not necessarily have to work for pay, right? We as in humans may not have to work for pay. And that's that's where he kind of interestingly points out that there'll always be roles and jobs where you would still need a human, not necessarily because a machine can't do it, but because you probably want the human there, right? I think... Again, I don't know how early that's going to be or whether uh, my daughter will live to see that day. But I definitely think uh, it's going to be very different from the world that we grew up in, right? But we seem to think linearly while the future is growing exponentially, which is where the disconnect lies, I think. Certainly. Very interesting thoughts again there, Ranjini. Thank you. You said that you're a keen leader. You love working with Mm -hmm. people. You've been, you know, you Mm -hmm. mentioned multiple times about how you hire people smarter than yourself. So as a leader, Mm -hmm. what have been some of your defining moments and uh, what have they taught you? Mm. I think it definitely is a skill, right? Like uh, people management in itself and things where I still do mistakes. I've I've definitely done mistakes in the past and I still, I'm sure I still continue to do, right? But I think it's a huge learning curve. One thing I've learned though is that people above everything else, right? Even though it does sound like a cliche, it is, it is absolutely true. First of all, my team is uh, geographically spread. They sit out of four different locations, four different geographies itself. And therefore building this collaborative structure in this remote environment, especially accelerated over the last year, right? It's been a huge learning experience. If you think about it in hindsight, because we were always used to this remote setup, 2020 was interestingly easier for us. To your question, how do you even start, right? I think if uh, you need to innovate and deliver and succeed, trust is foundational to like any team. Uh, If we don't trust each other, we can't do anything more than that. It's like this Maslow's hierarchy uh, of leadership, right? Trust is at the bottommost layer. So I think spending time in building the sense of, I will will always have, have your back at all times, irrespective of where you are based out of, I think that's critical. And that cannot be different from someone who's based out of Bangalore versus someone who's based out of Europe, right? It has to be the same. 
I think the other thing which I've learned, or maybe uh, the hard way, is to help define your team culture, right? So, what is it that you want your team to stand for? Is it integrity? Is it action bias? Is it what are those high standards? And I think once we get that, then they kind of start to hold each other accountable. So, anyone who's coming in tends to follow and adhere himself or herself to those standards. Third one probably is to understand the. cultural nuances right of folks and uh, building that personal rapport it took me a while right to do that especially for with people who are outside of bangalore yes that has paid up a lot so we spend a lot of time uh, building bond as a team we used to do these virtual meetups uh, over topics which are of mutual interest right we used to speak about things as very little your favorite animals or things which are very very different from what we do at work as well we work on things uh, such as papers and brainstorm ideas for patents and we did these virtual coffee chats uh, we have fun quizzes and we participate in hackathons so basically find out areas where you can connect with each other on an ongoing basis and i think over a period of time you kind of end up building a really solid high performance team which they, they can deliver even if you're not around and i think that's the biggest thing you can have as a leader right a team which can self sustain and drive even if you're not present and i've been very lucky to have someone like that i have a team like that in fact nice ranjini the different sets of things coming into play here uh, i'm sure they've certainly helped you be effective as a leader as well so you i know have been very passionate about getting more women into the space of analytics and data science mm-hmm. how do you think you want to do that mm-hmm. and get more women in and why are you so passionate about this i think uh the why part yes we did like we spoke about earlier right it really infuriates me when i see the helplessness which probably other women have right women who might have not had the privilege that i did when i was growing up or where i am right now that is something which is startling right so for example even in analytics we it's a field we talk so much about in terms of explosive growth but where are the women so i i see this gap widen chitra as the experience increases right even when i look at hiring we have a lot of women join the workforce we have a lot of women top their classes but then they drop out later and i think there was this report i forget from where but they called it this broken rung so they said there's always this broken rung where women probably don't step over to the management positions so how do we fix the broken rung I, this is something uh, kind of spoken about before so um i remember talking about this fifi framework right and this is not necessarily relevant for women in analytics it could be for anyone uh, across their career paths that they choose first of all is like to connect right it is i think it's very very critical to put yourself out there irrespective of the fear of being judged i think many people hold themselves back because of that right showcase your abilities and connect with others and that will help you charter your career path it is so critical to nurture your network and not just when you need it right the best time to network i think is when you don't need it the second thing is probably to constantly learn and we spoke about this like multiple times in the past, across this uh, session as well we live in this uh, knowledge economy right you cannot afford not to learn and the only way to stay relevant is to constantly work towards staying relevant so i remember reading this interview where this women leader was talking about breaking this glass ceiling it's also a responsibility right so identify what's your purpose and work towards staying true to that the third one probably is um, courage right so there's this research i remember reading chitra which talks about how women are less likely to ask for a referral or a raise i i've seen that in myself as well right so it's important i think to have a voice and speak up for yourself if you don't do it no one else will right so have the courage to talk for yourself and call for help 
we always need to ask for help and support and this this support system starts at home make sure that you have a support system reach out and get mentors and most importantly help other women as well right we definitely need to help each other and i know it's easier said than done right i i outsource everything which i can i potentially can right because it's definitely not possible to do it all like indranoi says and definitely call for help where you need help finally the confidence right confidence in believing in yourself and to dream big like i was saying most women they they do not necessarily have a skill gap but it's more of a lack of confidence to uh, walk in this path that they seek right because they fear failure it's okay to fail be open to fail but ensure that you learn and move ahead i think that's that's probably uh, what i would wrap up with right in terms of what women can do not necessarily with an analytics but across in terms of choosing to own their own careers wonderful ranjini it's been a very exciting conversation with you i think we've talked about so many things and i also think that's really brought out the essence of who you are to this conversation thank you so much for your time absolutely chitra it was such a pleasure to just talk about things which both of us seem to love right and uh, it's great the work that you are doing and kind of putting forth opinions and topics around this out there so thank you and good luck with everything that you choose to do going ahead We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast@pm-powerconsulting.com.